Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It's a, a pleasure and a privilege to have this opportunity to um, interact with the story of Northside, uh, to share in the history today and to also share in the vision of Northside Community Church. Uh, Sam and Emily have graciously invited me to share with you today and it's a real privilege. I really enjoyed singing again the creed, a tremendous statement of faith. We believe in our Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and in the present Holy Spirit. We do not need to invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. He's always with us. And so we welcome him. And he chooses not only to be in this place, but he chooses to live in your life and mine. What an amazing opportunity and privilege. And according to the words of Jesus in John 14, the Holy Spirit brings the presence of the Father and the presence of Jesus into our midst constantly. He also said, he said, if you have faith in me, you will do what I've been doing. You remember that on the Thursday evening as Jesus shared Passover with his disciples and then instituted the Lord's Supper, the communion, which we'll celebrate later today. He, um, he said, you will do even greater things than what I have done. And so I want to look at the story of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, and uh, the insights that we can gain from this story uh, for Northside Community Church. I call the story of the book of Acts the uh, Great Commission ethne concept that is fostered throughout the book. It's a fascinating book to read. The Great Commission Ethnic Principle. We're going to follow that principle a little this morning. You'll remember that um, after Jesus rose from the grave uh, on the Sunday evening of that resurrection, uh, Jesus appeared to the apostles in the upper room who were hiding for fear of their lives. And he said to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Uh, kind of repeating what he had said on the Thursday evening. And then... Um, a few days later on a mountain in Galilee, Jesus met with his apostles and he said, therefore, go, go and make disciples. That's your task. As the father sent me, Jesus came into this world to make disciples. He came in as a gift from God to provide us with salvation, full and free. The death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is what we call the eternal good news. On the basis of what Jesus has done for us, you and I have the assurance of salvation and the assurance of security with God throughout eternity. And Jesus says now, go and make more followers. Followers, disciples. A disciple is one who is becoming more and more like Jesus in every way, every day. Go and make other disciples of all nations. That's the translation that we often read. But Matthew, who wrote these words down, he, he translated the, the words that Jesus used in Aramaic with a very interesting Greek word, go and make disciples of all ethne. So it's not exactly the word nations as we have in most of our English translations. It's the word ethnicity. Go and make disciples of all ethnicities. The term that I use is relational streams. Go and make disciples in all relational streams. And we all have a host of relational streams. We have them at work, in the office, at the university, in our retirement places, in our communities, amongst our friends, 
with family, we have different relational streams. People that we, we share life with, we sing the same songs, we dance to the same music, we read the same literature, we have the same burdens. And Jesus says, go and make disciples in all ethnic. The concept is go and as you're going on the path of life, make disciples for me in, in all ethnic. And baptise them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, even to the very end of the end of the age. And then after sharing that commission with his apostles on a mountain in Galilee, Jesus then returned to Jerusalem. And just before he ascended to heaven, he said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And he said to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that little statement there in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is like a a summary of the whole book of Acts. The first seven chapters are about the witness of the believers in Jerusalem and then with the the stoning, the martyrdom of Stephen, uh, the believers were forced out of Jerusalem and they went into Judea and Samaria, surprise of surprises for Philip and for Peter and John. The Samaritans became believers in Jesus and the same Holy Spirit had come upon the believers in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost came on the believers in in Samaria. And that was startling for the Jewish believers because Samaritans, as far as Jews were concerned, were half-bred pigs uh, and half-bred dogs. And so this was just amazing that the Spirit of God would fall in that place, showing that God was bringing the Samaritans into his fellowship. And then, of course, to the ends of the earth, Philip was taken down on the road to the Gaza Strip and there he met the Ethiopian eunuch and those who were sexually different and those from the far edges of society were welcomed into the kingdom of God. And then Peter was taken into the home of Cornelius and Cornelius, an Italian, if you please, from the seat of the Roman Empire, was invited into the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who had anointed in Jerusalem and anointed in Samaria, fell upon the Italians in the home of Cornelius in Caesarea. Then, of course, also as part of this story in the middle of the book of Acts, Paul, Saul at that time, the arch persecutor of the early believers, He was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He'd been fighting Jesus. He'd been fighting this idea, this crazy idea that a person crucified on a Roman cross could be Lord and Saviour, that he was alive. And so he was going from house to house. That's where the church was at that particular time, dragging off men and women because women were just as dangerous as leaders of the church as men at that particular time, dragging them to prison and, uh, and executing them even, going to different cities. On his way to Damascus, Jesus met him. It never left his mind. It never left his experience. The amazing experience of meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, alive, uh, Jesus has risen. It's countercultural, counterintuitive that a man uh, crucified as a slave, the most ignominious punishment that you could imagine, would rise from the grave and prove by his resurrection to be Lord and Saviour. And Jesus, Jesus met, met Saul. Uh, Saul, of course, through his lifetime, and you read the book of Acts, he met, met uh, Jesus a number of times. 
After going into Arabia and preaching the gospel down in Arabia for three years, he comes back to Jerusalem thinking he might settle there. Jesus meets him at the temple and says, get out of here. So he went to Cilicia to share the gospel in his home province. And throughout the story of the book of Acts, you find Jesus meeting Saul, Saul meeting Jesus. He became the apostle Paul. So we're going to follow this story to the ends of the earth. We're going to go right through the mission journeys. First journey, Paul was invited by Barnabas to leave Cilicia and come to Antioch in Syria, the capital of Syria, where they shared the gospel in this multicultural city of Antioch. The gospel reached out across Syria. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to the church in in Antioch and said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. And they were sent on their way to Cyprus and then up through Pamphylia to city in Antioch to Galatia and then back to Pamphylia. That was the first missionary journey, reaching those different areas. They were following relational streams. Barnabas came from Cyprus, so they went to Cyprus. The governor of, of uh, Paphos of Cyprus, he came from city in Antioch, so they went up to city in Antioch in central Anatolia or central Turkey today. They were following relational streams on that journey. Jesus had said, make disciples of all ethne. And that's what they're actually doing, following those relational streams. On the sec- second missionary journey, the focus of the second missionary journey was to reach different districts, but In the story of the book of Acts, that which Luke really features is that the Apostle Paul was establishing new faith groups in the oikos or the households or relational streams, the key households of each of the communities. So remember on the second missionary journey when Paul gets across to to, uh, Macedonia, the first one to become a believer was and to be baptised was Lydia and her whole household became believers in Jesus. Acts chapter 16, then the jailer and his whole household or his whole oikos became believers in Jesus. Then in Thessaloniki, the whole household of Jason became believers. Down in Corinth, the whole household of Stephanus. And we could go on to the household of Aquila and Priscilla and the household of Titius Justus and the household of Erastus and the household of uh, Phoebe, all in Corinth, five or six churches planted in the city of Corinth. This is how Paul was actually working, following the ethnic principle, the relational streams that Jesus had spoken of. Go and make disciples in all relational streams or all ethnic. And that's what Paul was actually doing. On the third missionary journey, we find something quite interesting. Paul has already reached about seven provinces with the gospel districts, working from the hub of Antioch, setting up a mini hub in Corinth. And now on this third missionary journey, he moves out to the region of Asia, the Roman province of Asia, that is not what we think of Asia today, but it is Asia, the eastern part of Turkey. And he moves across into Asia to the capital, the main big trade centre of Ephesus the big centre of Ephesus. And there he, he stays. He doesn't move around quickly this time. It's almost as if he's saying, I, I followed the principle that Jesus gave, the ethnic principle of following the relational streams of the first missionary journey. I planted churches into households following those relational streams on the second missionary journey. And now on this third missionary journey, he focuses upon establishing a hub, a resource centre he was doing this all the time, but he's, he's really emphasising this, a resource centre to multiply the gospel out across a province, out across a whole region to reach everybody with the story of Jesus Christ. 
And after working from Ephesus for three, three and a half years, we've read it in the scripture reading, working from the lecture hall of Tyrannus. First of all, he started with about 12 men in Ephesus. He had put Aquila and Priscilla there to do the groundwork. Apollos had come through and, and, and Priscilla especially had equipped him even better and he'd moved on to Corinth. And, and then Paul comes back and he finds about 12 men who are believers in God, but he sees they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed, asked Paul. No, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? What baptism did you receive? John's baptism. Okay, so maybe they'd gone to the River Jordan. That's a long way away. Maybe they'd gone to the River Jordan when John the Baptist was preaching there. They'd heard John the Baptist preparing people for the coming of the Messiah. They had been baptised according to the baptism of repentance, but hadn't learnt of Jesus because Jesus perhaps had not been anointed by the Holy Spirit at that particular time or baptised. And so they were baptised according to the baptism of John, but they didn't know about Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing of the Holy Spirit or the ordination of the Holy Spirit for every believer who is baptised to be a disciple maker. Just as Jesus at the beginning of his ministry was baptised by water and then anointed by the Holy Spirit, that's the meaning of the word Messiah or the word Christ, just as he was anointed or ordained for his ministry of disciple making, so every believer when baptised, and you have a baptism on Easter Sunday, every believer when baptised is anointed also with special baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like ordination for disciple making, to participate in the ministry that Jesus would do if he were here today. So we have the privilege of participating in his ministry, the ministry of disciple making. What an enormous privilege. And, uh, and, John, and, and Paul meets these men. They don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul tells them about Jesus. They're baptised. He lays hands upon them. They receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and empowered. They share the story of Jesus in the synagogue. The people there become obstinate. And so Paul says, OK, we're out of here. They go to the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And there for two years, he just works from there during the siesta time each day, training teams of people who are coming into the city to worship maybe at the temple of Artemis, leads them to Jesus, trains them as church planters and sends them out across the Roman province of Asia. After just two years of sharing in that particular place, in that way and equipping, after just two years, the whole province of Asia had heard the word of the Lord. All the Jews and all the Gentiles. And remember, Paul, he had not moved from Ephesus. He had not moved. The other journeys he's tracking from one district to another, one province to another. But in Ephesus, he stays in one place and he's equipping teams and he's sending them out. So Ephesus had become like a hub, like Antioch had been a hub. Now Ephesus had become a hub for sending out disciples who would make disciples and plant new fellowships, new churches. A church is a gathering of new disciples uh, reaching out across the Roman province of Asia. I, I started to think about this deeply, not only from 49 years experience as a, as a, as a pastor and uh, right from my second year ministry in 1971, I planted churches and then over the years, I've planted dozens of churches and cultivated thousands of churches. 
But as I dug into this in writing the books following Jesus and his method of disciple making and his district work and then following the spirit uh, through the book of Acts and then providing some simple resources to show that anybody can make disciples. If you can eat, you can make disciples. Can you eat? You can make a disciple, right? Uh, and don't eat your own food, eat your neighbour's food. Jesus said, go and eat their food. You see, we could spend a lot of time talking about. But this third missionary journey, Paul is in Ephesus, a big city, 250,000 people at that time, banking uh, district, main trading district, the end of the, uh, um, the road that crossed from Asia and from Africa across to Europe, and he's, he's sharing the gospel. And he's, he's there working in relational streams, establishing a church planting hub uh, for equipping, for multiplication, so that the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Think about it again. 250 kilometres to the east of Ephesus is the Lycus River Valley. That's where the city of Laodicea was situated. Heard about Laodicea? One of the seven churches of the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Those churches were all planted by Paul from his hub in Ephesus. He didn't move from Ephesus. He sent little teams out. People who come in from those places, sent them back to their places, now believers in Jesus, disciples of Jesus, ready to make new disciples. A new church was planted at Pamukkale, at Heriopolis, beside Pamukkale, at Colossae. You read about the church, these churches in the letter to the Colossians in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 4. Paul writes and says, give this letter to the church in Laodicea and the church at Heriopolis. Let them read this letter and you read the letter that I wrote to the church in Laodicea. He wanted to visit these places, but he never, ever got to see them. But from the hub, from the hub of Northside, the gospel can reach right across the city. In fact, the church in Ephesus took full responsibility for sharing the gospel, not only in their city, there was no such thing as one church. We're all comfortable here. The church took full responsibility. Paul could say, I've finished the work all the way from Jerusalem to Elicricum. I've finished the work, not because he had planted in every neighbourhood, but he had planted churches and they were responsible for the mission for the rest of their city and the rest of their province. And he stayed on to model that following the example of Jesus as to how to reach out across that region. So think about Northside as a multiplying hub. Think about the essentials that are absolutely important when you, when, you, when you foster the vision of Northside being a hub that will multiply not only into Taramara but into every corner of Sydney and maybe across New South Wales and maybe across other parts and other regions as well. There are some basics that we've got to keep in mind. One, Jesus must be our method. He is our hermeneutic. By that we mean... He's the one through his life, through his teaching, we interpret everything. He provides us with the only effective method of reaching people for Jesus. Then remember, teams must be affirmed, equipped and chosen from the harvest. Most of the teams that Paul worked with were not members moving from one fellowship to another, but rather people who'd come in from the harvest, he equipped them and sent them back to the harvest. The local church plant 
is where the hub is established, not from a headquarters of the denomination, from a local church plant. So what you're doing at Northside is really foundational to this whole concept. Experienced planters need to be equipped and sent out to cultivate this movement. Leadership is entrusted to natural leaders. Think of Lydia. She was a natural leader, but she was only a believer for a day before she became the leader of the church in her home. The jailer, he became the leader, but he had been a pagan one day, the leader of a church in his house the next. That challenges some of our thinking about the whole concept of multiplying. Everybody is a disciple. Every believer is a disciple to make believers for Jesus Christ. New believers are taught to care for baptisms and taught to care for the Lord's Supper. New churches are given full responsibility for mission in the districts and beyond. An interesting feature of the book of Acts is that church planting teams did not take money to assist another group. Church plants were planted at no cost with disciples from the harvest because funds can kind of distort things a little bit. Paul never established district mission stations, but always church plants that could multiply disciples and reach new people for Jesus. And so we thought that a little reflection on this countercultural, counterintuitive scripture reading today The scripture reading that says Paul sat in one place for over two years. He spends three and a half years in the city of Ephesus. He spends time in this one place in the lecture theatre of Tyrannus, right here in this centre of Northside, and he cultivates and he trains and equips and out the teams go to reach new people for Jesus. And you multiply the impact of Northside for the kingdom of God, not just for this community, but perhaps for the whole of Sydney and beyond. And so it's a pleasure to be with you and to challenge you with the vision that we find from the book of Acts. It's an exciting vision. I want to challenge you maybe this afternoon to sit with a coffee, open the book of Acts and read from beginning to end in one sitting. I will tell you, you will never be the same if you read the book of Acts from beginning to end. Because you see, in the Gospels, we have the story of Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. You have his preparation time, the foundations he laid, the equipping, the leadership training that he did, and then the movement development with his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, and he leaves with the Holy Spirit coming. Book of Acts is the story of Jesus, but now the body of Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ, You have the preparation time, you have the foundations being laid, you have the equipping, then you have the movement, leadership development, and then you have the multiplication as Paul is taken off the scene as well. You are writing a chapter that you will not find in the book of Acts. It's chapter 29. The book of Acts does not come to a conclusion. It's open-ended because Northside is going to write chapter 29. God bless you. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.